gorgeous Georgian goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What is going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back. It is Sunday night. We're taping for your Monday delivery. Got a fun show ahead of us. We get to talk to Lupe Godinez, who has a fight coming up against Angela Hill at the upcoming fight night in San Diego uh, this Saturday that's coming up the 13th. Dominic Cruz, Marlon Vera at the top of the bill. And, of course, we'll go over the results from the UFC fight night that just took place. With Jamal Hill and Thiago Santos in that main event. Love the main event, by the way. We'll also go over PFL Week 7 of the playoffs that just started over there with uh, Anthony Pettis and Stevie Ray in the main event. Should be a fun time as always. We'll be right back to get started. Goes, I think I got to come clean, man. I'm a bigger Anthony Pettis fan than I thought. I was bummed out when he lost to Stevie Ray this past Friday in their rematch, you know, of their regular season fight five weeks ago. This was the semifinals or whatever you want to call it. You know, winner advances to the finals. And Stevie Ray got him (laughs) two rounds to one. It's a little bit of a changing of the guard now when you look at some of these fighters like Dominic Cruz, right? He's got a fight coming up. Some of these guys that we were just used to seeing even in the WEC and then translate into the UFC and win championships there. Things are just different now. But I thought the one glaring thing of this all was you couldn't look at that. I think in the past we might look at that and think Anthony Pettis had a bad night. I think Stevie Ray had a good night, and I thought Anthony Pettis was just dominated. Uh, he, he was just beaten. There's no way around it. Yeah. It's unfortunate because I think it's good for the PFL to have a guy like Pettis in there. You know, you got to pay off their faith that they've had in acquiring free agents these past few years. A lot of them haven't paid off for them. Some have you know, a big win or a nice run, but as far as like a title is concerned, I think this one is one of the ones that would have been, you know, really, really coveted for them. And, mm-hmm. you know, for Anthony Pettis, it would have been a third major title. So, yep, he comes up short. He gets paid well. So he, he'll have to drown his sorrows um, a little differently than most fighters. But, yeah, man, two broken hands. Did you hear about that? Yeah. But where does he go from here? I mean, that's a lot of money to pay Anthony Pettis, and I get that for this year. But do you really want to pay that much, you know, for another year when you've kind of seen the extent of what he's capable of now? I don't think so, dude. It looks like a it looks like a no, right, to your question. But to be fair, it could be one of those where We've had seven PFL events in in, two, in 2022. If you put off their, their version of Contender Series off to the side and just go with their actual Arena Series, regular season and playoffs, they've had seven events. And if someone goes to Don Davis or Peter Murray or whoever makes those types of decisions and goes, here's the spreadsheet, you know, it's pretty simple, right? Seven weeks, we were in Atlanta, we were in uh, Dallas, where they had another run. I think Florida might have been the first run. And actually, yeah, it is seven weeks. And so this is what we made at the gate, and this is what we did at ESPN. I think the ESPN is probably more valuable to them, you know. Right. These are the ratings we got. If he's just one of those that spikes, you ever look at those graphs? I mean, you and I haven't really had these jobs that require Excel spreadsheets and shit, but we've seen it. But, you know, you ever see them graphs? If there's just this spike that's like Kayla Harrison-esque, I imagine they they would say, "Hey, you know what? He brings in eyeballs, so he'll be he'll be there next week." His fights never really suck, honestly, and I'm sure he is happy with the pay, so he would probably be back. So it might be a match made in heaven in that regard. But if yeah, if there's no spike, then 
you know, you you might be able to Stevie Ray's a perfect example of being able to acquire a talent that can advance just as far and you don't have to pay as much. So similar to in uh football, right? You got a guy that's we even use Anthony Pettis's age, 35, a great, great, you know, quarterback. He's even won a Super Bowl. And should we bring him back? He's ready to pay play seasoned in December and January when it counts. This is the time, you know, to win another Super Bowl. Or do we go with the young guy? It's a cheaper contract. If we get the younger guy, maybe we can stock up on a defensive end, a cornerback, you know, an offensive lineman, and start to plug in some other holes. That's that's the type of decision, though, they'll, they'll have to figure out. And I'd love to know what it is. I bet you they'd be forthcoming if we interview one of them to get that type of answer. I think he has another life, and I think that other life is boxing. I think he could probably do something on one of these triller cards or something like that. And uh and people would still be interested. So the Jake Paul boxing, not the real boxing? Yeah, that, that sort of stuff. <laughs> you Definitely Jake, not fair out of us saying that. I think he's gotta know he hasn't faced the real boxer yet, to be fair. He's smart, uh, man. I don't think he would have been the first one, but you know, he's also getting paid well and who knows what? What were you gonna say? He's smart. He's smart. I don't think he. Uh, I think he hears a lot of that type of stuff, but I think he just gets it. I never realized how much the Jake Paul name irritates Junkie Nation. Part of them. I mean, we get great traffic from Jake Paul's stories. It's not like we all fell in love with him, and you know, we all have our man crushes or or, or whatever, and we just cover the kid. People want to read articles that we post about him, right? And anyway, so since we just happened to bring his num- name up, I just wanted to ask you, wh- who's, who do you think is telling the truth? There's the A side, the B side, um, and then there's the, the middle, right? So they canceled the event that was supposed to take place yesterday. Dana White said he thought he heard ticket sales were low. Jake Paul said, no, nah, it's because this guy didn't make weight. And then I don't know if you saw over the weekend – Rockman came in, I think what would have been one pound or half pound over. He did a mile. No, 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 because they he, would have agreed on two, 205 at one point. No, he was willing to go 200. And then he tried to he tried to say 205. And then that's what they said. Enough already. Did say, he did agree to 205. And then he goes a few days later, 215. And they go, nope, that's too much. So mm-hmm. I just don't know if they get the one pound allowance or not. I don't know if that was. So it's either he was two six and a half. So I don't know if he was a pound and a half over or just a half pound over. Anyway, um, but then, you know, Dana White's got a nickname. He, I guess he calls the Warlock. That's the former UFC accountant who now promotes Jake Paul's fights. And, and so he he's of the opinion that it just wasn't going to do well. The other guy's saying, no, nah, man, this guy was having weight issues. And then I don't even know if you saw, but. KSI, I guess he's another YouTuber. His guy fell out, so Jake Paul was trying to do something with him. And then lastly, I guess a Madison Square Garden official said, hey, no, no, this thing was trending to be one of the bigger shows we've ever had. I think top 15, they said, to be fair. But um, it makes my head spin, and honestly, it's not that I could care less, but uh, I find it interesting. Who do you believe is is my my, my only question? I believe Jake Paul's team on this one because uh, it wouldn't shock me if a lot of people showed up to something like that. I mean, isn't that the same crowd, the same fan base that kind of likes pro wrestling as well? Like those shows are always packed. So there's not that much going on in the world of sports right now where you could say, oh, they're they're occupied, dog. Like there's something else going on. Like, I, I think they would have done decent. And he would have had some undercard and then he had Amanda Serrano, right? Mm-hmm. So, I think if they went so far as to get uh, a source from Madison Square Garden saying it's doing well, then I, I believe them too. I believe it had something to do with the whole uh, the other guy not making weight and him going, wait a minute, wait a minute. I I will give in to a few things, but not to that many things. Um. Anyway, that's that. He says he has a big announcement tomorrow, by the way. So, we'll see what that is. I, I don't I think it's obviously too early to get in the whole into the whole Nick Diaz thing because if Nick Diaz was already a free agent, I'd go, oh, it's probably Nick Diaz. But it's too early. Nick Diaz still has Hamzat Shemayev. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So here are the finalists for PFL for the year 2022. In the lightweight division, it'll be Stevie Ray against Olivier Aubin Mercier, who defeated Alex Martinez. Don't hold your breath now. Guess how he beat him? A boring decision. He got him. He got him via decision. Oh, I, I knew it. The minute the, I think that's when I started taking a shower. I, I had some plans, and I was like, okay, this is the one fight I already know how it's going to end, um, who's going to win, and, and I know I'm not going to miss much. That's apparently that's around the time I started getting ready to go meet my buddy down at the strip, and, and it was just like I had guessed. So congrats to OAM. He faces Stevie Ray. And in the light heavyweight division, Omari Akhmadov gave a first loss to Josh Silvera. Uh, he faces Rob Wilkinson for the million dollars there. A nice knee and a vicious KO ending against DeLon Monte. So that's week one of the playoffs. The next week's coming up. You know, it's this week. They're in Wales. So I'm sure we'll talk about that on our show coming up on Thursday. Any final thoughts on PFL? It was fun. I mean, just watching the uh, the Pettis TV Ray was what really dragged me in there. But the whole right. card was pretty decent. Yeah. And so, man, let's get into it, dude. I don't even want to mess with the undercard. Goes, let me tell you something. Jamal Hill and Thiago Santos is my type of fight. You know, I love it when they're five-round fights. And uh, I don't think a fighter should do 10 of those, like like Frankie Edgar, for example, unless they're actual title fights. But every once in a while, you main event, and main events are five rounds. I get it. Um, but, man, those really are fights that go into deep waters. Thiago Santos was up two rounds to one. But coming out of that round, you could tell he was a little bit more tired than Jamal Hill. I thought Jamal Hill was turning the, ter- the corner in between rounds two and three. But in round three, man, I give so much respect to Thiago Santos. He came back with a wrestling-heavy game, and he got some takedowns, and he got he got a couple shots in. And then in the fourth round, Jamal Hill was able to finally put this thing to an end. But, man, goes, they hit each other with missiles, rockets. And both guys were swinging to the point where I was like, oh, God. Like, when they would miss, it, it really looked like someone taking a, a bat and swinging at someone's head. You know, those countdown shows really got me because they focused on Santos and like his baby, right? Yana Kuzitskaya. Man, it made me feel bad, you know, uh, during that fight. He looked good. Like he looked like Thiago Santos of old, but after a while, he just ran out of gas. And you have to give Jamal Hill his props because he had to battle through a little bit of adversity throughout that fight. But his fighter IQ is amazing, dude. He is a smart kid. He knows when to put his foot on the gas. He knows when to put his foot on the brake. And he waited. He stalked his prey, and eventually he got what he wanted. And uh, and it was, a, it was a good performance. It's something that he needed to go into those rounds. And it was a little bit of a gut check. He lost that first round. So all around, great performance for Jamal Hill. I underestimated Santos as well. I thought, no, this guy's upper 30s. He's been kind of fading since the Jones fight, the surgeries. But, man, he looked – I can't wait for his next fight. You know, and what I'm glad is that he didn't get removed from consciousness. Basically, it was just him turtling up and the referee having mercy because the fight was over at that point. But, man, he went down with the ship like a captain. You know what I mean? He did, yeah. Good and fight. I, say this. I don't have kids, so it's easy for me to say. But, man, like, I don't know about this. I mean, obviously, Santos and Kunitskaya's baby – I'm not even sure if the baby was there, but that baby wouldn't know what happens, right? But something about the last few months, I remember Jim Miller's kids were there, and I think it was the first time that he took them to an event, and it paid off because he won. Matt Brown's kids were old enough for him to go, and I I think they went, but unfortunately he lost. Um, But then Juliana Pena, remember how bloody she was? And you know her little daughter's always around. Um, and then Sam Alvey's kids, I was like, my heart broke because Sam Alvey, even though he's like 0-9 or 0-8 in his last few fights, he's still swinging, you know, he's still swinging, but he's getting caught and he's getting beat and sometimes it looks ugly and I'm just wondering, oh, should the kids have been there? 
Yeah, he broke his jaw on this one, dude. And I don't know. I mean, it's not like Sam Albee was this world beater before all this, before the streak. You know, like he wins a couple, loses, wins a couple, loses. But he, the one thing that I noticed in this fight is he just looks slow. Yeah, and this was at 185. He finally came back. It had been like three fights or something like that. Um, you know, he's just yeah, he's older, he's slower, and 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 again, he's he's never been like you know a, a top five guy. I think he. I, I'd love for him to call it a career. I understand he probably gets pretty good checks that justify what he's doing. You know, he probably maybe thinks, yeah, no big deal. I don't get headaches, couple bruises. I'm good to go. I'm stacking these checks. I think he's got six kids all together. And so for him, and I know a lot of fighters, they just look at it as, well, I'd be just training anyway. So what's mm-hmm. the big deal? Bought a but, new house, already moved and all that. So who knows? Yeah. And apparently Mick Maynard told him, I, I think he should retire. But Sam... But he would also see. Also said he'd be okay with finishing out the contract. I don't know how many fights that is, but man, I, I, I so many people are saying the same thing. I wish he would just retire now. Um, and and we can't believe that he keeps getting chance after chance when a lot of fighters have gotten cut after two fights or three fights. A lot of fighters that have also shown heart. You know, I get why they bring back Sam. A lot of times he does things on short notice. He's got a lot of heart, and maybe they just love his story. You know, I think he's adopted three kids all together, or two two kids. No, I was going to say two weight classes, too, so he can bail you out. He's smiling Sam. His wife's a supermodel who knows the sport. You know, I get it. I mean, maybe they just have a soft spot for the guy. But uh, so do I. And I I just don't want to see him, you know, get pummeled any worse. I mean, it is nine fights, folks, to be fair. It is nine fights. Even the great BJ Penn had lost, I think, eight in a row. And we were saying the same thing about him. It has nothing to do with. What you've accomplished or anything like that. It's just there there has to be a point when, you know, it's a wrap, like they say. Yeah, I mean, this is not the sport where you suffer the KO and then you say, okay, it's time. The one that really puts you away is the one you're not expecting. And why play with that type of fire? Especially when you're a smart guy like Sam, you could do so many different things. I would uh, I, I would probably stop at this point. Yeah. So let's go back to the main event. They asked Hill, what's next for you? He said, you know, hey, I, I think I could compete for a title. He even went so far as to point out he's got more finishes in the UFC than Yuri Prochaska. But then you said something that made me think, Jamal Hill, you really like his fighter IQ. He, he has a, a way of managing, you know, his, uh, his output, his, his strategies and things like that. And what did we say about Teixeira and Jiri Prochaska? Even though they had a lot of heart and it was an exciting fight and it went back and forth, my type of fight. There was a lot of low fighter IQ moments in that one. So oh, yeah. who knows? Maybe he is ready for that. He also said he would take on Blahovich. I'd still like another fight from Jamal Hill just to get a little bit more seasoning, you know, because they, you know, again, Santos is legit. He, he performed well, but there's still other fighters that are – Tough cats, man. Ankalaev, Rakic, Dominic Reyes, the three we just mentioned right now. And so, I, I, you know, obviously he just can't put the quarter up on the arcade game and go, I got next. You can say it, I suppose. And if there's the parting of the sea, you know, like for Moses, uh, and they ask him to, I suppose he could. But I still think he could stand for to do another fight or two. It, if it happens, he's got a good chance. But you're right. He seems to be learning at such a high rate that I would get another one, maybe even two, underneath and just get better. Yeah, because it wasn't that long ago that Paul Craig well, almost snapped his arm, right? Right. And that's kind of Glover's game. So, I don't know. I like him. I'm cheering for him. And I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he became a world champion one day. And, again, Hill and Santos, kudos to you guys. Salute, man. If I had a beer, I'd toast to you guys right now. That's my type of fight. Back and forth, back and forth. I was on the edge of my seat. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Great fight, yeah. All stoppages, too, on this card. Pretty pretty amazing. Yeah. Let's get to that co-main event. The co-main event of the night was Jeff Neal. He defeated Vicente Luque. Actually, this wasn't a bad, uh, bad fight either. I really, really enjoyed this one. This one got finished in the third round. One could argue that it went back and forth. 
But Luke had moments just nowhere near like it, – it just seemed like Jeff Neal was leading the dance, you know, for most of it. Um, and, you know, he looked better than ever. And for Vicente Luque, this one hurts, you know, because now he's suffered a couple losses after having that nice streak the last year, year and a half, hasn't been too kind to him. But uh, for Jeff Neal, he's this is one hell of a comeback from almost dying because of sepsis to mm. now, you know, taking out Vicente Luque. I'm trying to figure out what the hell's going on here because do you look at it and say Vicente Luque had a bad night? Because I've seen him fight better than that. Is it Jeff Neal having a great night? I don't know. It's so weird. Um, I'm leaning towards Jeff Neal just had a really good night, and Vicente Luque maybe underestimated him a little bit and maybe didn't have the best game plan. Well, I wish Luque would have seen. Luque, I thought, had a bigger advantage on the ground. I thought his hands were about even with, with Jeff Neal, honestly. I thought I, I really liked both of what both of the guys, the way they strike, the way they throw hands. But I knew that Luke, I thought, in my opinion, was was a better grappler. So I thought, okay, if he mixes the two up, that'll be his path to victory. You know, maybe he'll catch him with his hands. Maybe he'll catch him with a choke. I don't know. The Darce choke. Remember, that's how he took out Kiesa and Woodley. Um, but against Bilal Muhammad, Bilal Muhammad said, ah, I'm putting you on your ass. I'm going to out-wrestle you. So now we get Jeff Neal, a striker. And... He didn't do to him what Bilal did to, to Vincente Luque, and that's take a strength away from him. You know what I mean? I mean, what did he eat, like seven or eight uppercuts? I wouldn't be surprised if his nose wasn't rearranged as well. Yeah, that was amazing. I, I thought his nose was going to be on the side of his head when they when he took his arms away. I mean, they just one after another after another. Jeff Neal had pinpoint striking that night, man. He just seemed to be one step ahead. And uh, I really hope he turned a corner in his, his career because if that guy can show up every night, we got a player there. Exactly. So now Luke's lost two in a row. And, you know, he'll have to lick his wounds. Luckily, he's had nice runs. He had a four-fight win streak that included Chiesa and Woodley and Randy Brown, who's tough. Nico Price is no joke. And then he had like a six- or seven-fight win streak that included, excuse me, Brian Barberina and Mike Perry. That was, you know, a few years ago. But now he's lost two in a row. We'll see how he balances back. 2022 has not been kind to him. He went 0-2 uh, so far this year after going 2-0 in 2020 and 2-0 in 2021. I still think he's a one of the jewels at welterweight, you know, to keep an eye on. But right now, you know, a few guys are just kind of ahead of him, honestly. And and now Jeff Neal's kind of ahead of him. Bilal Muhammad's kind of ahead of him. Of course, we know Leon Edwards and, and Kamaru, they're going to be facing off. Colby's kind of on the shelf for now. Masvidal's lost three in a row. Gilbert Burns is always a tough customer, no matter what. And I, I can't even remember if I said Hamza Shemaev. You know he's a beast. Um, yeah. But Jeff Neal's now got a two-fight win streak going. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, hopefully uh, it's a fun division. It's just, you know, the guy at the top is dominant. Yeah, and what a difference it makes. You know, in the third round, he probably could have just won the round and won the fight, but instead he finished them, And that's why... I think everybody was really, really into the result and just giving even more credit and heaping more praises on Jeff Neal. That finish is so key. The end of that this card was was really cool. You know, the, it kind of reminds me of the last pay per view where uh, the last two fights I think carried a lot of it. But uh, I just think Jeff Neal. You, it's I'm just having trouble figuring because we've seen him look good before and then kind of shit the bed. You know, so. I don't know exactly what we have, but we need guys that can really step up in this division and show that they have something for the champion. And who knows? Maybe in a couple of weeks we're talking about something else. I doubt it. Come on, Usman's a beast, but we'll see. Well, he's got knockout power. He just proved that. And Kamaru does. He can be stubborn. He'll he will stand with you. But now Kamaru Usman's also developed knockout power. But if Kamaru Usman wants to take the fight to the ground, I don't know. Neil's got a some work to do there as far as keeping the fight off the ground or getting back up. If he gets taken down, I see him getting grounded and pounded. But like I say, um, Usman will sometimes elect to stand with you as well. And, and even at, you know, a lot of people will say, well, that's because, you know, he faced maybe a Covington, for example, who doesn't possess, I guess, you know, the knockout 
the, the one-punch knockout power that some of the other guys do. But to be fair, Covington knocked him down a few times. Covington's won rounds. Covington's put him in an 0-2 hole. But yet he elected to come back and say, you know, I'm going to – I'm going to still come back and, and, and throw some hands. And against Masvidal, he gave him his first KO loss ever. True. Yeah. How about Muhammad Usman? He won the ultimate fighter, and he just thumped Zach Pagoa. Mm-hmm. That was uh, odd, right? That kind of reminded me of, like, you know when they tell quarterbacks, never throw off your back foot? He just kind of threw a half-ass jab hook off his back foot that just connected right in the right spot. and. And put him in a great spot. I mean, if you're uh, if you watch the season or whatever, and you're keeping score, well, we'll get to the other fight. But uh, Juliana Pena's team's pretty happy. They had three of the four finalists, and they won both of the finals because Juliana Miller uh, defeated Brogan Walker. So we'll get to that in a second. But I did want to say Usman must pack a punch. You know, when I watched him at Titan and WSO, or I guess uh, PFL, sorry. You know, he was a big guy. He was obviously a f- football player who could also wrestle, but he was really raw, right? But I could tell that his hands developed nicely in 2022 because that punch that landed goes, like you said, it was off his back foot. He slipped one nicely. He threw it. It was his jab hand. But it that almost turned off the lights for Zach Pagoda. Now, what came after that, which was one of those Donkey Kong punch- punches, I think a second one might have slipped in there, but it didn't matter because that jab and that that other that other punch, I mean, just put the dude out, man. I was like, wow, like my jaw really, really dropped. And I thought Pagua going in was going to be the one that could possibly do that. Although I did pick Usman on Twitter, you know, right before the fight started. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I don't know, something in the Usman water. It's the Usman family. They've just been rise into the occasion and we've had him on the show a few times, but I really like Zach Pagoa. I think if he takes some time off, he can come back. He can be a beast. I see two solid heavyweights at the UFC game from the reality show. Yeah. That's always a good thing, right? The reality shows battling Dana White's contender series. Um, and they just had a great week. So it's good to see that. Yeah. He's going to have a lot of confidence going forward. Congrats to Muhammad Usman. And like I said, Juliana Miller, Defeated Brogan Walker. You know, when she would just stand there, Brogan was kind of, I wouldn't even say piecing her up, but you could just tell she was better. That said, she did throw some awkward punches that would land, but it was the ground game, man. I mean, she would get these takedowns, and she was just a bigger girl. She had a, a taller frame, and Brogan could do nothing about it. I didn't understand that one bit because after round one, and you saw once she got her down, she just had no answer whatsoever. She was doing okay in the striking, and then she tied her up again. Like I know, she just had really, really low fighter IQ for that fight. I feel like they could Big fight ten time. times; it'd be the same thing over and over. Big time. She tried to take her down. It was unsuccessful. Even in the third round, when she knew she was down two nothing, don't even don't even throw a kick. You know, you're yeah. Don't even throw a kick. Don't initiate a takedown. Don't clinch. Nothing. Just. On your toes, snap that jab, finish maybe some uh, some combos with some kicks to the calves or something like that if you have to, but nothing that can lead to her taking you down because you have zero answer for getting taken down. And what does she do? Like, I mean, less than a minute. There she goes yet again, and I'm thinking, all right. You know, it's like you're throwing against Deion Sanders. Mm-hmm. You're gonna get intercepted, you know what I mean? And and he's already picked you off twice. Like go to the other cornerback, I guess. <laughs> Miller just had all this momentum. You could just she uh, landing those elbows. I mean, she's a nasty fighter, dude. Yeah, big time. Um, here are the other winners. Sergey Spivak defeated. Actually, you know what, guys? I think our guest is ready to go. So. I'll save the other six winners, and like you said, goes all finishes. Great night of fights. The only problem is, and if we can complain about it, when we have these early stoppages, there's so much time in between, and you know ESPN, ESPN and ESPN Plus can sometimes drill you with the same commercials over and over. And so I guess that's the only thing I would com- complain about. But man, we got our finishes, and that was great. And we'll discuss that in just a second. But right now, Lupe Godinez is stopping by the show. 
What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back with another MMA superstar. This time we get to talk to Lupe Godinez, a UFC strawweight who will be competing this Saturday at the UFC Fight Night card in San Diego, California. Her opponent will be Angela Hill, who lives in San Diego. So Lupita, Lupe, I'm sorry, you will be the away team. You know, you're on the road here. Yeah, and I'm super excited. You know, uh, I've been always, well, when I started my, my pro my pro um, career, I've been always going to other people's home. So I'm familiar with this. And also, I mean, not really, because there is so many Latin people here, so many Mexicans here that I'm sure I'm going to have a lot of people, you know, sharing for me. Yeah, that's true. You can definitely make new fans that way. Um, yeah. And so it, I can tell it looks like you're already in America's finest city. You're in San Diego already. So that's a good thing. Uh, I guess you just like to get there early. Usually travel days on Tuesday. Yeah, travel is on Tuesday, but since I took the fight in such a short notice and I had to take, uh, I had to do so many medicals and stuff. So it's just easier to come here and get them done here. So that's, that's finished. So now I've just been like, um, training a little bit and just staying sharp and you know my weight is fine so just ready i'm just waiting for saturday how long have you lived in canada uh and been apart been out of i guess uh, mexico yeah i've been out there for 12 13, 12 years now yeah okay and so do does the mexican media still cover you the way they would cover yair and Brandon, like they feel like you're still one of them, or have you kind of fallen off the radar by not living in Mexico the past decade? Uh, no, I think they they do put uh, attention to me. Um, I, I I like it, I I'm I'm okay with you know if if they don't put that much attention to me because it's understandable. But I'm still Mexican. I'm Mexican. I love Mexico. I I've been going there quite a bit, and I love it there. I'm actually going there. In, I'm trying to go there by November for vacation mm -hmm. and maybe get some training there. So that should be exciting. Okay. And do they, does, does the Mexican media for combat sports athletes, or maybe you can answer on behalf of other women's sports like soccer or any other sport, do they, are, are they fair? Do they cover you with, with as much vigor as they do the, the male athletes? Uh, I think it's growing. It's okay. getting better, and for every, you know, for all of the female athletes around the world, I think it's growing, and and you know, people are still discovering females, you know, MMA. Yeah. What What did you think? Did you see the video of Yair Rodriguez going nuts when Brandon was winning the uh, the title about a week ago? A video surfaced, and Yair's in the first row, and I mean, he's absolutely losing his mind. Did you see it? Oh, so happy, so excited. Yeah, that's great to see. And, you know, uh, it's, it's great to to support other, other uh, you know, other Mexicans that you're, you know, it's, it's great. Right, yeah. Um, well, hopefully people will be going nuts for you that way. I love it. You know, Goz and I, we're part Mexican through our father's side. And we've always felt like, Mexico just loves their sports athletes, especially their combat sports athletes. So to us, it was kind of normal. But to other people, they're like, oh, my God, he's going crazy. Well, yeah, he was. But really, he's just a fan. Yeah, I think we're very passionate people in, you know, in all the areas, not just in the sports. Um, and I just feel so fortunate to be part of it. Yeah, I, I imagine that you hope to have a lot of those types of fans cheering you on in uh, in San Diego and in all of your future uh, fights. And I imagine that part of your goal at some point is now that the, U the UFC's taken their show back, you know, aside from the Apex worldwide to different arenas, that they'll eventually head back to Mexico. Uh, I imagine that's a dream of yours, but would you want it now, you know, or, or would you want it as you continue your climb and the fights get bigger? Yeah, I think I, I just want to let it, let it happen when it has to happen. I don't like to be like, okay, I would like to hit, I would like to hit. I think my career is heading into an amazing direction and I'm not forcing anything, it's just happening. So I'm just gonna let that happen, how it's supposed to happen and go from there. When I looked you up, you were from Aguas Calientes, Mexico? 
Yeah. And but I imagine and make correct me if I'm wrong. What what's the biggest city that you're near where you would want this to happen? You know, like Mexico City or or Guadalajara in terms of where it would be the closest to being near your home where your family and friends could go watch. Yeah, I would say Mexico City or Guadalajara, one of the two. Also, I got a lot of friends in Guadalajara. Is Guadalajara, do they have the altitude that Mexico City has? I think Mexico City is like 7,800 or 10,000. Yeah, yeah, no, it's not, it's not that bad. Yeah. Um, does the altitude, is, is that something you prefer or are you used to it? Uh, no, I'm not used to it, but I will probably have to have to go early um, to get used to it. But I fought in Denver, which is also high altitude. And uh, I took my first professional fight short notice in two weeks or a week, something like that. And I mean, I was fine. Uh, but when I went there last year to train, well, to train, I got the call for the UFC. They, I had to go to Denver to do some medicals, but my friend lives there. So I trained there for two, two, two weeks. And the altitude really, like I felt it. I don't know if it was because I was like also cutting weight. But I definitely felt it, so I would like to go early for sure. So the short notice, something that you brought up, we've heard fighters say different things before. Some fighters say they hate it, and then some fighters said they actually love it because it takes their mind off of some of the things that they would normally be worried about or you know, people bothering them. It just kind of made things go quicker. How do you feel in short notice fights? Is that something that you enjoy? Oh, yeah, I, I love it. I've been always taking short-notice fights in my first professional fight, and I'm still doing it because, one, it's an opportunity. You know, Well, if you're ready and you're not hurt and you're ready to go, why not? And I'm always training. I feel capable of fighting every weekend, if, you know, obviously, if I'm healthy. Um, and I love it. So why not just go and do it, you know? And I'm fighting in one of the biggest organizations uh, where they make it so easy for me, you know? At the end of your last fight, you looked so happy and, and so moved. Do you feel like you still carry that same momentum, that high that you had that night? Does it still feel like it, it resonates with you? Mm, no, this is a, a brand new fight. This is gonna this is gonna be a brand new fight. This is gonna this is a brand new girl. This is what happened yesterday is gone. Now we're today and I have to focus on today and that's all that matters. Well, you know, I won two in a row or whatever happened, that's gone. What what got you into the sport, Loopy? Um, do you remember a, an event, a fight, or fighter specifically? Yeah, well, since, since I was a little kid, I've been always really like kind of hitting, hitting kids and biting them and whatever. Always, I've been always a chaos. Uh, but I saw Ronda Rossi with uh, uh, Carmouche or with Misha, one of those two fights, like one of the first ones. And then I was like, oh, man, I want to do that. And I pretty much just started training, and that's how it happened. And as a kid, was it just, like, playing around the neighborhood, or was it actual trouble you were getting into with the law? Oh, playing around, like, just being a little devil as a little kid, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, we talked about your fights. You, you have taken fights on short notice, but it's incredible because – this will be your 11th fight, and you just started your pro career in 2018, and then going back to 2016, you had a, about eight more. Like, that's a high pace. Is that what you prefer, or do, would you like to slow things down now that you've established yourself? Mm -hmm. No, I, I definitely love to be active, love to fight. Uh, as I say, I will fight every weekend if I could. But, of course, now that we're getting into the top rankings, you got to get smart, right? And, of course... That's not my job. That's my management job. And I think they're doing an amazing an amazing uh, job. And the reason why they offered me this fight, uh, like in short notice, we already knew that I was going to fight here in October, but the reason is why now we're doing it is because they know I'm ready. They see me training all the time. I don't do anything else. So why not? Just might as well get it done early. Mm-hmm. They say in between fights, though, is where, where you can grow because you worked on plugging the holes, adding new tools. 
are you able to balance the two, uh, you know, like still constantly learning and not so focused on weight cuts and game plans? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, well, actually, every time I fight someone, I'm learning because I'm learning their style, how to beat that style and, and, and adding new techniques, tweaking the techniques, you know, stuff like that. So I'm constantly learning. And also, I'm always at the gym. I'm always, you know, I have an amazing coaches. I put so much time into it, so you know you you can see it. So yeah, I don't I don't worry about that. I just worry about showing up at the gym, doing my work, working hard, and go fight. I'm sure your goal, just like most athletes, is to be a world champion, to be the best. So right now, do you see like a bullseye, a target on Carla Sparza, or do you care? Do you not care who the champion is? Your focus is more the belt. Yeah, well, I don't care who the champion is going to be or, or who it is because it's, you know, it's, it changes hands all the time. So I'm not going to focus on someone because that can change drastically. So pretty much what I have to worry is today and who I have in front of me, make sure I get this job, job done properly and move forward. You know, yesterday, Jamal Hill, who is part of the same management, you guys share the same management, he got a win, and he's feeling like maybe he might be closer to the title than people think. Um, but he wasn't assertive enough, I guess. And maybe he already knows there's still other fights that need to happen before he gets there. How about you? Do you feel like you could be a world champion like this year? Or are you honest enough to maybe say, no, 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 I still need a little bit more seasoning. Give me a year, 18 months, two years. How, how do you feel about your peak, your athletic prime, and, and where you want to be? Oh yeah, definitely. I'm not in a rush. Um, I mean, if if I fight for the title next month or next week, I'll I'll take it. You know, mm -hmm. I'll I'll be ready. But um, I, you know, I, as I say, I'm just taking one fight at a time. That's my goal, and I'm gonna get there. But it's just you know taking the right steps. As I say, if I take the if there's opportunity tomorrow, I'll take it. If not, then we keep. You know, getting better. It's not. I'm not in a rush. Mm -hmm. um, the last question I wanted to ask you was: Do you remember Chuck Liddell, former UFC? <laughs> yeah. When he would watch fights, you could always see him like, oh, oh, you know, moving around and leaning. You know, he's watching the octagon. He's got a front row seat, so he's like feeling it, right? And and I asked him one day, what's going through your head, you know? And then obviously he says, man, I just love watching people fight. But I'm also thinking to myself, oh, I would have hit him with this. I would have hit him with that, you know? And then he used a few bad words, too, like, oh, I would have fucked him. You know, whatever. How about you in your mind when you're watching the straw weights? Are you also thinking the same thing? Like, oh, I would have done this. I would have done that. Or, do you, you know, what, what's, what's your uh, mindset uh, when you're watching fights? Oh, yeah. When I want you to find something like, oh, she means a takedown. Oh, I would have done this. Oh, I would have done that, you know. But it's so easy to to point it and to be sitting in the back and just be like, oh, why you don't do it? Why you don't do that? You know, once you're in there, it's, it's hard to to see everything. Um, and obviously, I understand that. And, yeah, I get like that. But, you know, I'm not the one fighting. <laughs> right. I want to thank you so much for doing the interview here on a Sunday night. Um I hope you have a safe weight cut and a great fight next Saturday. And, uh, you know, congrats on your career. This You have three in a row as a strawweight. This could be possibly be four. And, you know, a lot of people have taken notice of your skills and you're on the scene, you're on the map. So I expect big things from you from the next couple of years, maybe even that run at the title that we, we, we've been discussing. Yeah. Thank you very much, guys. Have a good night. All right. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. What do you think, Goes? you think she can win the fans over? In San Diego, where jo where Angela Hill's been living the last ten years, or are are they gonna root for the hometown hero? I guess. I think it'll be about fifty fifty, because uh, yeah, I'm sure An Angela Hill has a lot of people in San Diego, but it's a large uh, Latino community out there. So she's been I in the UFC for a minute now. And then she also does some work on the desk. So she might have a little bit more popularity than than we think. And then she used to I, – I, I'm not sure if she still does the work with Karen Bryant, what had happened. They have a podcast. And then she used to do Two Straws with Jessica Penne. So she's put herself out there. 
she's also done some commentary as well. Uh, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if she's got San Diego on lockdown or what, but now I'm, I'm a little fired up about this fight. I mean, wasn't Grasso supposed to be on that card? So I'm sure there were a lot of people already kind of rooting for the Mexican fighter. Exactly. Thank you to Ed Cap for for lining that one up. Thank you to Lupe Godinez for her time. Getting back to the fight night, Sergey Spivak defeated Augusto Sakai. Terrence McKinney defeated Eric Gonzalez. Mikhail uh, Olenejnik defeated Sam Alvey. Brian Battle defeated Takashi Sato. Corey McKenna defeated Miranda Granger. Myra Bueno Silva defeated Stephanie Egger. I do want to say congrats to Juliana Miller. She's also an Ultimate Fighter winner for season 30. So Usman and Miller, both from Team Pena, won. Juliana Pena was in attendance. Amanda Nunez was not. Amanda Nunez had Brogan going for her. But Pagua, or sorry, Pagua, Paga, Usman and Miller were all from Team Pena. So Team Pena gets that scoreboard. Obviously, Amanda Nunez gets the the more important scoreboard. Board, at least when it when it has to do with two, those two fighters because she's now the the bantamweight champion again after defeating Juliana Miller at UFC 277. Um, give me some final thoughts on Tough 30. Are you anxious for Tough 31 or are you just okay running the Dana White Contender Series? Could you be open to Tough, tough 31 in skip a year? Like, What's your thoughts? I think it might be time for a comeback season. I think that might be fun. Um, but for me, it always comes down to the coaching. Whoever the coaches are, that's what my interest is in something like that. Mm-hmm. A comeback season would be fun. Can't argue with the last one. Now, what they can't do, I don't think they can give the winner an immediate title shot like they gave Matt Sarah and Travis Luter, although Travis Luter done fucked that one up. But um, I don't think they can do that, but maybe they can put them in a number one contender bout. Would you be open to that? Well, I think at that point, uh, it depends on the division, too. But, uh, yeah, there's got to be something, some kind of uh, maybe a pay-per-view spot or something. Back then when they did it, which was like probably 15 years ago, I think the sport was growing so much that there wasn't enough time to really analyze it. I think everybody just went, oh, cool, that's something different. But now with so many different types of Sports writers, journalists, a lot more seasoned, a lot more conditioned to, you know, more of a quest to the title, you know, a run to the title. It might come off a little corny now to do it in 2022 and 2023. Now, it doesn't mean that they can't just say, hey, the winner gets a large contract and that's your reward. You're back in, I suppose. But, but um, yeah, I, I guess I could be into it. And two good coaches that get into it could get me into it. But I could also retire at an even number. Tough 30, gracias. So, you know, I don't, Dana's never going to let that go away. I don't think so. But, uh, yeah, this one didn't really live up to the hype as well. And, by the way, did you see Juliana's quote? A, I didn't really even understand it too well. But, B, oof, I don't know what world you're living in, but that, that – uh, I think you were better off just kind of staying quiet and working your way back up. You almost are guaranteed another shot somewhere down the road, but uh, I, I just didn't get any of it at all. She wasn't ready for Amanda switching stances so much. She guarantees that she'll be ready for it next time, and Amanda won't even touch her. Girl, Amanda not only touched you, she put you on your ass like at least five times. Knockdowns. Aside from that, she took you down, and you had no answer to her ground and pound. Like, man, I hate to keep harping on it over and over because I'm going to sound like a real, real hater. But she's got – so when Juliana beat Amanda, I think all of us just thought, oh, congrats to Juliana. But I think if Amanda works on her cardio and comes back, you know, uh, prepared, you know, like this fight's going to be closer because Amanda had one round one, and then all of a sudden she just fell off a cliff. But to convince me that fight number three is going to be something, like, dude, I think I need to see a fight. I need to see a fight where Juliana gets taken down and she gets back up, or maybe Juliana initiates the takedowns, or maybe Juliana's just got some heavy hands all of a sudden. Because when I saw Amanda at her best, Juliana had no answers. Guys, we don't see 50-43 very often, followed by a 50-44 and a 50-45. I mean, 
Yeah, that that was not the right that her her best bet was like, well, I know I'm the better coach. It's one one. I'll see you down the road. You know, like yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, you could stomach that. No problem. Everything everything about that is true. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, she she did have some comments to make because she was there in attendance. I give her props though for supporting her fighters. She was kind of busting Amanda's chops, her ovaries. Um, did, did we get into that, by the way, on fight week? Let's see who's got the biggest ovaries. I don't like that. And I think it was one of the coaches that said it for Pena. Then Pena went with it. That ain't no saying, is it? Who's got the bigger ovaries? I haven't heard. I don't think women want big ovaries. Just yeah. guts. Stick to guts. All right. Um, Spivak defeated uh, Sakai. That was cool. Uh, congrats to him. And McKinney's a beast, although he did get clocked once by Gonzalez. Gonzalez has some nice hands, but yeah, McKinney just, you know, once he got the sub game going, it was a wrap. Um, we already talked a little bit about Ole Shiznik defeating Sam Alvey. Let me get this right. Ole Shiznik. He defeated Sam Alvey. He had a beautiful left cross that put him down, and, um, and uh, congrats to him. Brian Battle was tough. Head kick uh-huh. KO against Takashi Sato. I mean, that was, huh? That was um. I don't know vicious. about the follow ups to it. Yeah, that was vicious, man. Uh, Corey McKenna with the Von flu choke. The first time the Von flu choke's been used in women's MMA. She submitted Miranda Granger. And then speaking of submissions, how about the controversy in the first fight? Myra Bueno Silva submitted Stephanie Egg- Egger with an armbar. So what happened was all we could see, even with all the different cameras that are out there, all we could see was an armbar attempt, but we couldn't see a tap. But what happened was Silva stopped applying the pressure on the arm for the armbar. The referee, Tony, stopped the fight, pretty much waved it off based on, I think, the reaction of Silva. He didn't see a tap either. So what he did was, He made the motion, let's run the video, the replay. Now, at that point in time, even if the video would have shown that she hadn't tapped, the fight was over, but they could maybe build to run it back sometime, right? But the fight was over at that point. Now, had Tyone said, I didn't see it, and put them back together, the fight could have continued that way. But he didn't say that. He waved it off. However, apparently, you know that ABC convention they had, American, sorry, Association of Boxing Commissioners? In Niagara Falls, one of the things that was discussed, and this is a shout out to Scott Fontana from the New York Post. He attended it and he posted on Twitter that it was discussed that the other judges could contribute in situations that involve replay. And so that's what they did, goes. They went to all the judges and Ron McCarthy, the son of Big John McCarthy, he said, I saw, I clearly saw a tap. So it must have been. Uh, you know, her arm was being submitted on one side, and the other arm, I guess, is the one we couldn't see. It was her, I believe, her left arm. It was right in Ron, front of him. Ron McCarthy said he couldn't see, and but he did see a tap. And then Herb Dean apparently also said, conclusively, I saw it. What made it even weirder is Edgar never said, nah, she wasn't upset. She wasn't taken aback or anything. She just wasn't anything. She was just Stephanie Edgar. So she wasn't. You know, she wasn't like being sportsman about it, but she wasn't being a bad sport. But she wasn't saying, not in her head, going, "Yeah, that's my bad dog," or she wasn't even fighting it. You know, which, in reality, I think we can all agree, her not fighting it was probably what made her the most guilty. But at some point, you know, there's cameras everywhere, and I think you have to realize how you're acting. You probably could just go, "Oh yeah, yeah, she got me, man. She got me. Why, you know, why you keep asking?" No, she just didn't do anything. Like even her face, like her. She's probably one hell of a poker player. She wasn't giving anything away in that regard. I think it's almost like somebody walked in the room and caught her, like caught a guy cheating, but then people automatically came in and said, I don't know if she was, I don't even know if they were in her. Like, you just kind of stand there and go, am I am I really about to get bailed out of this? And you just kind of keep looking and looking and looking. You don't want to say much, right? Because you don't want to ruin it. I think that's the position she was in. She's just like, I just need to look, keep looking around and not say anything. I think that's what she was wondering was, if I don't say anything, can they just say no contest? 
Or can they say something that allows us to fight next week or in two weeks? Just um, silence. Will it be, yeah, will it be a situation where because of the controversy, we both go home with a bone? I mean, she just was trying to process a lot. Um, in, a, in a way, it, that part kind of made her look bad. But um, I can't say that most of us probably haven't applied it in our lives where, like, you know, a cop pulls you over and and says, you know, um, I thought you were speeding, but but this the the gun, you know, the the what's it called? Radar gun. The radar gun. I just noticed didn't didn't uh, apply the the mile per hour. So you know, and so you're just kind of like, okay, so now what? You know, because you're not going to admit guilt. Ah, don't worry about it. I I, I was eighty five. You know. Like, yeah. So put me down for 85 on that ticket. You're just kind of going, so do I just put it in drive and go? And this never happened? Like, that that's what Edgar was saying, I think. I think so, too. Yeah. Um, I wish one of those cameras would have caught something, though, just so we could kind of have that, 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 that final satisfaction, I guess, as fans. Um, maybe that's what will bail Stephanie Edgar out, because in reality, we will, we will never have the proof. The proof, proof, but that's what the other two said. She could do an interview this week and go, oh, that's what they say, that's what they say, but I didn't tap. <laughs> yeah, who's going to prove it? Yeah, show me the video. Show me the videotape. Show me the evidence. I, You know, they're tripping. <laughs> oh, man. Great night of fights at the UFC. Let me see. The bonuses went to uh, Hill and Santos for fight of the night, and then they gave out Three performance of the night, so they gave out two hundred and fifty grand instead of the normal two hundred grand. Um, they definitely didn't go off <laughs> all finishes this time. Yeah, because that would have been what that would have been ten finishes and fight of the night. I think they would have told the fight of the night guys, "Hey, you're gonna have to chill out. Like, you got your fifty for fight of the night, but you ain't getting it for doubling up." You know, but yeah. So uh, Neil got it. Usman got it. And Battle got it. Now, Silva, I don't know. I, I, I kind of like, she was crying. She was emotional. She wouldn't shake Edgar's hand. And when they had interviewed her later, she says, I work with a lot of kids. And um, I work with, a, yeah, she said, I work with a lot of kids. And I couldn't face them shaking the hand of someone that tried to obstruct the rules. You know, she didn't yeah. do it in a vicious, venomous way. She kind of almost did it like in a teaching moment, right? It was a little uh, weird. It was strange. I, I, I think that would have broke my heart, and I would have said, "Hey, here's fifty, and here's another twenty for the, <laughs> the the program of the kids." You know, of course, it's easy for me yeah. to spend Dana White's money, but um, I was really touched by it. Like, just that's how much her, you know, her values meant to her. That much, huh? I think that's a bit much. Can't you just flip it and say, "Hey, you always have to be a good human and find find a way to forgive." I mean, like, true, true. Yeah, I don't know, but um, let me see. McKenna's Von Flew—that was pretty historic. She could have possibly gotten it there. Um, the left cross that took out Avi was nice. The standing submission rear naked choke by McKinney was nice. So no love for the submissions. They went all with KO. <laughs> Juliana Pena, she's in Degeneration X all of a sudden. She gave the suck at uh, uh Julia Miller. She shoved her too at the end of round one, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of funny. Um, it was kind of funny. And they hugged, so I think they're cool. But she's kind of kind of comes off a little square. But in reality, like, she's got, like, a little bite to her. Yeah. You know? So she's really nice, like. Yeah, you know, I do this for respect and all that. But if a bitch gets up on me, I'm going to show a bitch what's up. You know, she all of a sudden goes gangster on you. Um, This was the young lady, and I don't know if I said it on this show or on Triple G show, but she was the one that said, my grandma, I feel like she's on her way out. And she was actually giving a shout-out to her grandma. So that's a lesson learned, man. You always, you always, you know, don't make, don't, don't help them, you know, don't tell them what their timeline is. 
they go out whenever they go out. But her grandma got to see her, and and she gave, she got to give her a shout out. And I thought that was pretty special. Yeah, it was cool. On the reality show, I think she had said, "I don't think she'll be there when I get back." You know, they're going to be gone for six weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to grandma, man. Shout out to grandma. She made it. All right, we got to get on out of here. But yeah, no complaints, man. Great weekend of fights this weekend. Cruz and Vera at the top of the bill. We got PFL again. They're in Wales for the next set of uh, playoffs. And uh, Bellator, Bellator as well. So a lot for you to uh, look forward to. And, of course, we got all the coverage on MMA Junkie. We got a free app for mobile phones and tablets. We got a great YouTube channel that features a lot of the interviews that we do in their full lengths, along with the spinning back click, Legend of Legend, and other video franchises. So check it out, youtube.com forward slash MMA Junkie video. We're going to get on out of here. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Go out there and be a champion. <laughs>